Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Wednesday, March 24th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. The saga of the shrimp tails in the cinnamon toast crunch and what it has to do with Chance the Rapper, women's basketball, the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles, and Topanga. Scientists have identified the first space hurricane and a roundup of some of the free stuff you can get if you get your vaccine. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Well, I guess we need to talk about the cinnamon toast crunch shrimp thing. If you missed it, the gist is that comedian and film professional Jensen Karp found what appeared to be some dried-up shrimp tails in his box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and he posted about it on Twitter, which began a lackluster back-and-forth with the cereal maker General Mills and an escalating situation behind the scenes. Now, when I saw this yesterday, I thought it was kind of gross and weird, but not interesting enough to merit a mention on the podcast— Since then, however, the story has just continued to mount, and not just in terms of General Mills' bungled response, which we'll get to, but also as the internet has uncovered more and more information about Jensen Karp, the man who found the shrimp tails in his cereal. I feel like every time I log onto Twitter, I discover a new ripple. This morning, I woke up to learn that Jensen Karp is married to Danielle Fischel, who played Topanga on Boy Meets World. Shrimp Tails Guy is married to Topanga. And then a few hours later, I checked Twitter again and found out that Karp used to be a rapper going by the name Hot Carl. And not just like a casual rapper, he started in hip-hop at the age of 11, where he was managed by folks in Ice-T's Rhyme Syndicate, before going on to land a million-dollar deal as a rapper with Interscope Records. After leaving Interscope, he focused on writing, TV, and podcasting. In addition to his own memoir, he's written for TV shows including The Late Late Show with James Corden, The Grammys, The Masked Singer, The MTV Movie Awards, and WWE Raw. Chance the Rapper even tweeted yesterday how Carp gave him $5,000 to shoot a video back before Chance himself made it big. As user HarveyBar22 summed it all up on Twitter, quote, A man named Carp, married to a woman named Fischl, found shrimp tails in a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. The cereal was purchased from the Costco on Topanga Canyon Boulevard, and his wife played Topanga in Boy Meets World. Meanwhile... Carp used to be a guest on Pistol Shrimp Podcast, end quote. Now, that podcast was about a women's recreational basketball team in L.A. called the Pistol Shrimps, whose members included Aubrey Plaza, and of which there is an actual Morgan Spurlock-produced documentary about. Carp, for his part, used to appear regularly on the podcast about the team to do a comedic report on the players' socks. But yes, Shrimp Tails Guy actually used to be on a podcast called Pistol Shrimps Radio. In some ways, this story just writes itself. But alright, so Dude has had a pretty interesting career and is very ironically positioned to have found shrimp tails in his cereal. But what has all the commotion been about since? 
So after eating a bowl of Cinnamon Toast Crunch the other day and pouring himself a second helping, Carp noticed the alleged shrimp tails. After sending a photo to his wife, who again played Topanga, to make sure that he wasn't seeing things, he filled out a form submission email on General Mills' site. And apparently over email, things were all polite and above board for the time being. But on social media, Carp was less than satisfied with General Mills' responses. After a few standard, we're sorry to see this, DM us and we'll send you a replacement kind of responses, they hit back with, quote, After further investigation with our team that closely examined the image, it appears to be an accumulation of the cinnamon sugar that can sometimes occur when ingredients aren't thoroughly blended. We assure you there's no possibility of cross-contamination with shrimp. End quote. And Carp was not having that. He's accused them of gaslighting him and is now literally in touch with crustacean researchers at the Natural History Museum in LA to examine the specimen and try to determine the species. Carp tweeted of the labs being run, quote, They also are paying for this to be done, which is helpful when a corporation is telling the internet I actually found wads of sugar. So basically, my shrimp got a scholarship. End quote. Now, before that, Carp decided to check out the rest of the bag of cereal, at which point he noticed several of the cereal squares had suspicious black pieces stuck to them, which followers suggested could be rat droppings. Now, quick reminder here that Carp ate a whole bowl of cereal from this bag before noticing this stuff. At that point, he got in touch with Poison Control, who directed him to a lab where he took a sample of the cereal for testing and is waiting to hear back. Currently, he has no symptoms, but he was told that he wouldn't have any for a few days if, indeed, he did eat rat droppings. But then he decided to examine the second bag of cereal that came in the family-sized box he got at Costco. And curiously, that bag appeared to be taped back up with some clear packing tape instead of factory sealed. And inside were more suspicious black marks and pieces of burnt pistachio-looking clumps and a piece of string, all encrusted with cinnamon sugar, indicating that it was probably contaminated in the factory and not on the shelf at Costco. You can see a photo of all of these findings for yourself at the New York Times link in the show notes. And this whole time, as he's finding more and more in his Cinnamon Toast Crunch bags like the world's worst cereal box prizes, Carp and General Mills can't come to an agreement. Carp just wants them to say they're investigating it and recalling the bags that went to his Costco. Some decent PR and an avoidance of this happening to anyone else. Instead, they've been unwilling to admit there could be a problem, and have asked Carp to send them the box back so they can physically investigate, which Carp is unwilling to do, seemingly because it would get rid of all the evidence. Eventually, General Mills told him that if he won't send it back to them, he should just go to local law enforcement. In that email, as well as a publicly released statement, General Mills leaned onto the tape that Carp found sealing his second bag of cereal as evidence that this could have been the result of product tampering and therefore no fault of their own. Now, you could have opinions about how Carp is handling this. Maybe he should have let it go. Maybe he overreacted to General Mills' corporate responses or should have been more willing to at least send part of the cereal box to them as a sample. Maybe the weird-looking stuff in the box is just burnt and congealed sugar. But then there's this, quoting the New York Times, 
This is not General Mills's first shrimp rodeo. In 2011, the company sued a Michigan blueberry packer after a shipment, which was intended for future use in blueberry scones, was found to be contaminated with pieces of shrimp. Upon further investigation of the remaining cases of lot number 210082 Adkin blueberries, GMI discovered one shrimp and a shrimp tail on the outside of the cases. The suit read, The tainted blueberries were unsuitable for use in any GMI product, much less the intended product. End quote. So in that case, General Mills was the victim of unintended shrimp. But my real question is, how much shrimp is being tossed around willy-nilly to end up in all these distinctly non-shrimp products? And also, since General Mills has been there before, shouldn't they be a little bit more sympathetic? And finding something that looks wrong in your food, especially after you've started eating it, is a pretty alarming feeling. And for someone like Carp, who's diagnosed with obsessive-compulsive disorder, it's particularly distressing. Several years ago, I was a few bites into a delicious breakfast of homemade huevos rancheros when I realized large pieces of broken glass had come out of the unbroken jar of salsa I used. Pretty horrifying. I never did follow up on that or even reach out to the company, but I did stop eating huevos rancheros and even buying jars of salsa for quite a while. I'll put a photo in the show notes just so you know that I, like Carp, am not making it up. And like him, I can't think of any reasonable explanation for how that ended up in my food. Even if I did have a platform as big as his from being a teenage rapper and marrying Topanga, I personally probably wouldn't have blown it up to be such a big deal, but, you know, this is a pretty scary thing. So I hope, for all our sakes, that we get some kind of resolution from it. And Carp is keeping people updated on his Twitter, but until we hear more, you can entertain yourself with this. Chef Andy Lunique created a cinnamon toast crunch tempura shrimp dish using crushed cinnamon toast crunch pieces as part of a custom spice blend and serving it with jalapenos and a coconut lime dipping sauce. Because, you know, after this story, I'm sure what you're really craving is a big old bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. With all of the extreme weather on the rise, just what we need now are space hurricanes. Fortunately, the phenomenon scientists are now calling space hurricanes aren't like what we usually think of as a hurricane, nor do they appear to be caused by the climate crisis. At least we don't think so yet. But what is a space hurricane? Quoting National Geographic, As reported in a study published in February's Nature Communications, an unusual aurora that appeared in 2014 over the North Pole had a calm center, or eye, with strong winds of plasma, electrically excited gas, zipping around it in a vortex-like manner. Lasting for around eight hours, it was more than 620 miles across and stretched from its base 60 miles above sea level to 500 miles high, reaching into space. End quote. So they're essentially some kind of weird spiral-shaped aurora, called a hurricane because of matter spinning around an eye very quickly, not because of similarity in the physical processes that the two undergo. But before getting too much into that, here's a refresher on how normal auroras, sometimes called the northern or polar lights, work. Quoting again, Electrons jettisoned from the sun spiral down to the magnetic poles. They slam into neutral gas atoms and molecules in the upper atmosphere, temporarily energizing them and causing flashes of light. 
That light, whites, reds, violets, blues, and greens, depending on the specific gases being pinged, makes up the northern and southern lights. The northern lights appear in something called the auroral oval, essentially a ring around the magnetic north that expands and contracts as the Earth's magnetic field responds to the supersonic solar wind and the sun's magnetic field. A wide auroral oval happens when the sun's magnetic field points south while it interacts with the dayside section of Earth's magnetic field, which points north as it flows around the planet. During a solar storm, in which electrons and parts of the sun's magnetic field fly toward Earth, the sun and Earth's magnetic fields can couple together, a bit like two opposing ends of a bar magnet. And this coupling sets up a strong magnetic pathway between the sun and Earth, allowing electrons and positive ions from the solar wind to rush down into the Earth's atmosphere at the poles. End quote. And sometimes those colorful lights that dance around in the sky near the poles appear more like a fuzzy patch. And that atypical-looking aurora doesn't line up with the type of solar activity described above, the type expected for a usual display of the northern lights. So this atypical aurora has been a bit of a mystery for a while. Until this new study was able to spot such an occurrence from August 20th, 2014, in some old imaging data that was actually clear enough to study and to build a 3D model of. Qinghe Zhang from Shandong University, the lead author on the new study, found the auroral spot while looking through satellite data from the Defense Meteorological Satellite Program, originally set up as part of the U.S. military's Cold War efforts. This 2014 space hurricane, as it's now been dubbed, occurred when the sun's magnetic compass was pointing north, and therefore that coupling effect between the sun and Earth's magnetic fields was super weak, causing the auroral oval to contract into a very small spot on the top of the magnetic north pole. Quoting again, even during the mild solar wind conditions present that day, electrons still rained down into Earth's upper atmosphere. Over a wide auroral oval, they would normally produce dim auroras, but as they were falling into such a tight oval that day, more gas atoms and molecules were being pinged in that specific spot than usual, creating a brighter auroral glow than one would expect. And finally, the solar wind also had an east-west magnetic component. This isn't especially unusual, but when applied to such a highly constricted auroral oval, it effectively pushed it, causing the aurora to spin. And voila, a space hurricane. End quote. While this instance from 2014 is the first to be spotted and named as such, it's likely that these are a fairly common occurrence. And now that scientists have more information about what features and conditions to look for, they can write algorithms that will be able to pluck potential space hurricanes out from satellite data and continue learning more about this phenomenon. But unlike their namesake, we don't really need to worry about space hurricanes. The worst they can do is slow down satellites or mess with a bit of GPS systems in the Arctic. What we really should be worrying about, Alexa Halford, a space physics researcher at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center, tells National Geographic, is geomagnetic storms. Sometimes called solar storms, these major but temporary disturbances of our magnetosphere as a result of a solar wind shockwave could disable or even destroy electronics across the entire planet. And they do actually happen at varying levels with some regularity, but we don't typically notice because scientists, power grid companies, and government agencies are constantly doing what they can to avoid total, long-lasting breakdown. 
So geomagnetic storms are definitely more worrying than space hurricanes, but unless you work in a very specific side of telecommunications, it's not worth losing sleep over. So maybe you've heard about Krispy Kreme offering free donuts to anyone who gets vaccinated. If you haven't, you're welcome. You can take your vaccine card into any Krispy Kreme for one free original glazed donut every single day. Seriously, if you want a free donut a day for the rest of the year, you can, so long as you have your vaccine card. Krispy Kreme is also delivering boxes of donuts to healthcare workers and volunteers at vaccine sites and said in a statement, quote, We all want to get COVID-19 behind us as fast as possible, and we want to support everyone doing their part to make the country safe by getting vaccinated as soon as the vaccine is available to them, end quote. But Krispy Kreme isn't the only one offering free stuff as incentives for people to get vaccinated. A weed dispensary in Michigan called the Greenhouse of Wald Lake is handing out free pre-rolled joints to anyone over 21 who presents their vaccine card as part of a promo they're calling Pot for Shots. And that one appears to be a one-time offer, though. Don't try going back every day like you can at Krispy Kreme. There are also a number of offers specifically for employees at various businesses. Many of them, like Target, Aldi, and Trader Joe's, are giving employees paid time off to go get their vaccines. But some, like Kroger and Publix, are also giving their employees store credit and straight-up cash if they get theirs. And hey, I'm all for doing what we can to raise awareness of and support for getting the vaccine, but also, like, slightly bummed that it's necessary to basically bribe people. And there's this, quoting CNBC, nearly one quarter of employed Americans who probably or definitely won't get vaccinated would consider getting their shot if offered a cash bonus or stipend, according to a report by the Society for Human Resource Management, end quote, which I just feel like says a lot of things in the subtext there, you know, but hey, I guess these initiatives are for the greater good and, you know, hey, free donuts. And that is it for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.